I invite you to open your Bibles with me now to the book of Deuteronomy. The book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, which you can find if you're inside on Pew Bible page number 178. Pew Bible page 178. Deuteronomy chapter 6, no matter what Bible you're looking at, turn in or Turn on your Bible if it's electronic and swipe your way to Deuteronomy chapter 6. However you get there, get there. We're going to look at Deuteronomy. That's the fifth book of the Bible. And we're going to look at the sixth chapter of the fifth book. Deuteronomy chapter 6, Pew Bible page number 178. While you're turning there, I'll say a brief word about why we're dipping into Deuteronomy today. We just finished 1 Peter and Kim Cohn had us last week in Exodus, and next week we will turn towards the cross as we get near to Passion Week. So I thought we'd use this one Sunday in between all of that to focus a little bit on what the Family Discipleship Vision Team has been emphasizing in their meetings. As you know, we have a small team of volunteers in our church family who have been meeting every few weeks this year to review our ministries to children, youth, and parents with an eye on the future. Our church has a rich history of ministry to kids, especially to school children, from buses to clubs to camp to classes to family Bible weeks. And this team has been fr- praying and talking about what should be the focus and approach in the next chapter of our church's story. What does the Lord have for us for the future of family discipleship at Lance Free Church? And as you might expect, this team has spent some time together in Scripture. And one of the key passages we looked at was Deuteronomy chapter 6, the entire chapter. After that team looked at it, the elders looked at it as well, and both groups agreed that it would be good for the whole church to study it together some Sunday too. So here we are. Deutero means second in Latin. And namos means, anybody know? Namos means law in Greek. So deuteronomos, deuteronomy, is Moses' restatement of the law to the second generation of Israelites right before they moved into the promised land. They're on the other side of the Jordan, and just about ready to cross over into Canaan. Remember, Deuteronomy happens between the book of Numbers and the book of Joshua. So this is where they are, right? They're about to enter into the promised land. And Moses takes this occasion. Remember, the entire older generation has died in the wilderness. It's the next generation that's come up. And Moses, one of like two remaining guys of that old generation, gets up and he preaches the law to them one more time. He goes back over through the whole history and reminds them who they are. You are who the Lord says you are, like we just sang. And he tells them what they need to know before they go into the promised land. In chapter 5 of Deuteronomy, Moses preached the Ten Commandments to them a second time. Did you ever notice the Ten Commandments are in your Bible twice? They're there in Exodus 20 when the Lord first gives them. And then there they are in Deuteronomy 5 when Moses kind of preaches a sermon reminding them of Exodus 20, how they got there. In chapter 6, Moses is going to build off of the Ten Commandments. Let me read to you the first nine verses of Deuteronomy 6 so you get a sense of the whole thing. And then we'll pray, 
And then we'll drill down in verses 6 through 9 especially. Because what Moses told the parents of the children of Israel there, I think teaches us some of the most important things for us to focus on as we teach our children here today. Listen as I read Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9. This is Moses speaking. Turn the page here. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey, so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Impress them on your children. That's the sermon title. You get that? You've got the message. It's taken from verse 7 there. Impress them on your children. Impress them on your children. Our Lord has given Christian parents the great privilege of being the primary discipling influence in their children's lives. Let me say that again. Our Lord has given parents, Christian parents, the great privilege of being the primary discipling influence in their children's lives. Dads and moms who believe in Jesus are called by their Lord to pass on the faith to the next generation, to impress it on their children. Now, this is not just an Old Testament idea. It's clear also in the New. The Apostle Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Paul's actually quoting Deuteronomy chapter 5 in Ephesians chapter 6. And then he goes on to say this, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And it's not just dads. Paul reminded Timothy how his mom and his grandma, probably in the absence of a believing father, how these faithful women, Lois and Eunice, passed on their faith to him as well. Impress them on your children. One of the key concepts that the Family Discipleship Vision Team 
That's a mouthful, isn't it? You can call it the FDVT if you want to. The family, one of the key concepts that the FDVT has focused upon is the importance of parents in making disciples of the next generation. More important than pastors. More important than Sunday school teachers. More important than children's church teachers, as important as they are. And they're back there teaching your kids right now. The importance of parents. Whatever we come up with, we know that parents are a key factor in the equation. Moms and dads, it's your job. It's your job to teach your kids the faith. It's your calling. It's your responsibility. More than that, it is your great privilege to teach your children about your Lord, impressing the faith on your children. Now, of course, it's not just moms and dads who do And people next to you on the pew can all play an important role. Don't tune me out because I started talking to parents if you're not a parent. This is for everybody. And there are wonderful Christian schools to help, like Clearfield Alliance School, Academic Dean, Vicki Albert, or Christian Servant Academy over there in Forest. And wonderful camps like Miracle Mountain Ranch to come alongside Christian parents and help. And when there are children with no Christian parents in the equation, the rest of the church needs to step it up and take their place. We're all uncles and aunts, right? We're all spiritual uncles and aunts in the raising of these children in the faith. You've heard it, it takes a village to raise a child. Well, it takes a whole church family to raise a disciple. But the primary people the Bible talks to about teaching the next generation are the parents of the next generation. Moses says to the parents in his generation, impress them on your children. Impress them on your children. Moses told the Israelites in verse 6, these commandments that I give you today, the Ten Commandments from chapter 5, and all the rest of the biblical teaching before and after in the book of Deuteronomy, everything he's preaching that day are to be upon your hearts. So it starts in the hearts of the parents' generation. It's got to be in our hearts first. And then we need to try to pass it on towards their hearts. Impress them on your children. Now, the Hebrew word there for impress is from a root word that means to sharpen, right? To sharpen. So we might say, engrave this teaching on your children. Drill it into them. The King James Version has, teach them diligently. The Christian Standard Bible says, repeat them to your children. The New Living Translation actually says, repeat them again and again. Impress them on your children. Parents, you should be a broken record. You should be a broken record. And not just brush your teeth. Did you brush your teeth? Turn off the light. How come nobody turns off the light, right? We should be a broken record with the biblical teaching 
Your job is to impress biblical teaching on your children. You cannot make them accept that teaching. You cannot make them believe that teaching. You cannot guarantee that they will embrace that teaching all of their life. This is not turn them into robots. It doesn't work that way. But you can make sure that they hear it again and again and again and again and again and again and again from you. From you. Now, of course, this looks different with different kinds, I'm sorry, with different kids and with different parents. We're all going to do it differently. You are going to do it differently than I do. I did it differently than you. But we all need to do it. And it will look different at different times in your kids' lives. It'll look one way when they're really little and an almost completely different way when they're older. Heather and I are still trying to impress the faith on our children today, but at 21, 20, 18, and 17, it looks really different from when they were 5, 4, 2, and 1. The point is to be at it continually. As parents, it's our job to not just feed and shelter and protect and provide and make sure they learn to read, write, and do arithmetic. It's our job to continually teach them about the Lord. Impress them on your children. Impress them on your children. And to do that, we have to open our mouths. Look at verse 7. Talk. Now, yes, we need to model it. We need to live it out in front of them. But this says we don't just do that. We also talk. Verse 7, talk about them, these commandments, this biblical teaching, when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. I think that's a way of saying all the time, right? I mean, what isn't covered by all of those? The Israelites were to remind their children when they sat at home and when they were out of the house, when they're out on the road. That's all the time, right? You're either in one or the other. We would say when you're out in the minivan, right? When you're on your way to school or to the sports practice. And when you're at home at the table, on the couch. He says, when you lie down, we call that bedtime. Talk about it at bedtime. He says, when you get up, breakfast time, right? Wake up time. Bedtime and breakfast time are key moments for discipleship and everything in between. This is one of the reasons why parents are called to be the primary disciplers. They get their kids for some of the best times to learn about the Lord. Parents, you may not have them all the time, but all the time you have them, you should be discipling them, impressing the faith on your children. You've got them when they go to bed and when they get up, when they're sitting at home and when you're out with them on the road. One of the things that we've noticed is that families are really busy these days. Lots of activities, school, sports, extracurriculars. And sometimes that means they are at church or church programs less than they used to be. 
And while I think it's good and right to ask parents to consistently, constantly monitor their family's priorities and make sure they are prioritizing spiritual community, that they're participating in church and in discipleship events, that that's a high priority because the Lord calls us to do this together. Yet no busy schedule should ever keep parents from discipling their children. You don't need this building to impress the faith on your children. You just need to open your mouth and continually connect everything in life to the Lord. I think that's one of the reasons why he says at bedtime and breakfast time and when you're out on the road, it's because wherever you are, you can connect that to the Lord. Parents, you can do this. There are lots of ways to do it. When they're, when they're little, there are Bible story books. We have a bunch of them in the church library. There's a whole uh, carol in there, rolls out, full of resources for you to t- disciple your children. Heather just bought three more children's books for the library, and they are beautiful. This one is The Biggest Story Bible by Kevin DeYoung and Don Clark. It's brand new, you know, tells the whole story of the Bible, little tiny type big, beautiful pictures. There's great resources like this. This one is the Little Pilgrim's Progress, which has, it's kind of re-envisions Pilgrim's Progress. It's got the story in it, but it has like farm creatures as all the different characters, beautifully illustrated. Or Go and Do Likewise, the parables and wisdom of Jesus. Our, our library is full of things like that. Just grab it, take, check it out, take it home, use it with your kids. Read a Bible story to your kids every night. Read a missionary biography. When our kids were little, we would take a missionary biography and just read about the life of Adoniram Judson, Hudson Taylor. Um, uh, Trying to think of a lady one that we did, uh, Gladys Alward. Pray at the table with your kids every meal. It doesn't take long to pray, but they will see you pray And they will learn to pray as you call on them to pray for the meal. Sing with your kids at bedtime every night. They already know what your voice sounds like. It doesn't matter whether you sing well or not. Sing with your kids every night. Have them sing with you. Pray with your kids at the table every morning. Pray with them as you drop them off wherever you're taking them during the day. Talk about Jesus as you drive to school in the morning. Bring him into every conversation. When you pick them up from something, ask your kids how it went. And then bring the Lord into that conversation because he was there the whole time. And he had something to do with the whole thing. You can do this, parents. Discipleship doesn't just happen in a classroom. Or another way to say it is, everywhere is the classroom. For discipleship. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Now, Orthodox Jews have taken that command literally. (laughs) And they actually have written down these scriptures and put them in little boxes they wear on their bodies. And they attach to the door frames 
of their houses. They, they touch them and they touch their lips as they leave the house every day okay, to remind themselves God's word in me. And while I don't think that's what Moses actually meant, I applaud how seriously they take it. I think Moses meant to do whatever you can or whatever it takes to keep the scriptures in front of your eyes. Use whatever memory devices to get it into your kids' minds. Heather has chalkboards set up around the house with scripture on it. And posters and little pieces of writing paper stuck on cupboard doors. If I close my eyes, I can walk around the house and I can see scripture. Over here is 1 Corinthians 13. Over here is... uh, well, it used to say Jeremiah, it used to have a passage from Jeremiah on it. I'm not sure what's on it today. I should go home and look. I think uh, Cody and Holly, did you put scripture like on the beams inside of your house? Yes, you did. Mary Beth, you did something like that too. You took them from like all of us. You asked all of your friends, "Give me a key scripture," and you actually wrote it on the beams of your house, just like Deuteronomy says. Woo! I like it. The point is to do this everywhere and all the time. Will the world think you're a little over the top? Yeah. So what? Will your kids maybe even grow up and say, they were fanatics? Yeah, maybe so. But you were being obedient. Impress them on your children. Impress them on on your children. Maybe use a catechism. Our church doesn't have one for the whole church, but there are lots of good ones out there. Our kids memorized questions and answers from before they could understand them, and they've given them hooks to hang truth on as they grew up. I could ask them a question right now. They're, just, they're shaking their heads. Oh, no. <laughs> I won't because I won't embarrass them that way, right? But I could ask them a question right now. The answer would be on their lips. What is sin? Sin is thinking, wanting, or doing what displeases God. Is there only one God? Yes. There is only one God, and He exists in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you want recommendations of good catechisms, I'd be glad to help you pick something out to do with your kids. Even more importantly, memorize Scripture together. On your way to church on Sunday, practice the hide the word verse in the car. Where where is the current hide the word verse? What book? Anybody memorizing it with me? I know it's only week two. Isaiah, that's right. Isaiah. So you get in the car and you say, kids, let's practice our hide the word verse. It's Isaiah 40, 10 and 11. And if you've got to read it, read it. Take turns. Make it into a game. Get so far and go blank and have them fill in the word. Make it flashcards. Turn it into a song. Impress them on your children. Impress them on your children. Parents, you can do this. Now, some of you are like, "Eh, I don't want to preach at my kids. And I don't want to tell them what to believe. It was forced down my throat, and I'm not doing that to my child. There are lots of ways to do this badly. But one of the worst ways is to not do it at all. The Lord tells us to do it. 
So if he's our Lord, we need to do it. And you don't say that about math, do you? All this two plus two equals four stuff. It was forced on me at a young age. I want them to figure out their math on their own. You don't do that, right? Well, what we believe is the truth, just like two plus two equals four. So we want to impress it on our children. I think the key is to be living it out ourselves as we try to impress it on our children. It has to be upon our hearts, like verse 6 said, first. Our kids will easily sniff out the hypocrisy if we're telling them one thing and then doing the exact opposite ourselves. That's where a lot of the whole they were preaching it at me thing comes from, but they didn't believe it themselves because you could watch their life. We've all seen it done poorly. But we've all seen it done well, too, haven't we? Who are your models for family discipleship? When Heather and I, before Heather and I had kids, there was a couple named Steve and Judy in the church that we were at before we moved here. And they, we, we watched them. Whatever they did with their kids, we're like, ooh, doing that. I'm going to do that. That's really good. I think this is where the rest of the church can really help. If you've already been down this road, and a number of you have, what can you do to help a younger parent travel it now? I want to recommend another resource. This is a book I've been reading this spring. It's called Family Discipleship, Leading Your Home Through Time, Moments, and Milestones by Matt Chandler and Adam Griffin, forward by Jen Wilkin. Time, moments, and milestones. So time is quantity and quality time. Got to have both. Setting aside intentional time to get your family into the Bible together. Then moments are like verse 7, sitting at home and walking along the road, just kind of seizing the moment, being ready to do that. And then milestones are big events like baptisms and church camp and challenge conference, and things like that. By the way, if you can, send your kids to camp. I have a friend who said to me this week, he st- I was walking, big surprise there, right? I was walking, and he stopped his car, and he said, Pastor Matt, there better not be anybody in your church, any kid in your church that wants to go to camp that, that doesn't. He said he would personally pay for any kid to go to camp whose family couldn't pay for them to go. Okay, so there's no reason for anybody in our church family to not go because of finances. We'll make sure your kid gets there. If your kid wants to go and you're willing to let them go for a week, okay? See me, see Marilyn Christofitz, our, our camp coordinator, if you want to be a part of that. Milestones, time, moments, and milestones. This book encourages parents to leverage all of those things to impress the faith on your children. And the authors also have a podcast where they talk about practical ideas for doing it well. Parents, you can do this. You are doing this. You're here with your kids right now. This room was full of little kids. A bunch of them went back down there to overwhelm our children's church workers this morning. They'll bet there's kids out in the parking lot this morning. Give us a honk if there's a kid in your car this morning. 
Okay, maybe they're all inside today. A few weeks ago, we had a number of kids in cars. If you are trying to, that's out on the road, isn't it? That's Deuteronomy 6-7. If you're trying to disciple your family, the Lord bless you and your efforts. Keep it up. Keep going. We're all with you. And we're all learning from you. I thought about walking around with a microphone this morning and asking all the parents to tell us a story of how you're doing this right now, what strategies you are using. But just like I didn't put my kids on the spot, I'm not going to put any of you parents on the spot this morning. What if I went around with a microphone and stuck it in the face of your kid and asked, what is your mom impressing on you right now? What is dad impressing on you right now? Maybe we'll do that another Sunday. The key is to keep doing it everywhere and every day, all the time. Impress them on your children. Now, what are we supposed to impress on our children? Like, what's the, what's the lesson? What's the message? I want, in the time remaining, to briefly summarize Moses' message in three short points. And, of course, this isn't stuff that just children need to hear. It's what we all need to hear. Number one, impress on your children who the Lord is. If you're taking notes this morning, that's number one. Impress on your children who the Lord is. Let's back up to verse one. These, what he just gave them in the preceding chapters and what he's going to give them in the chapters to come, are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you're crossing the Jordan to possess. So that you, your children, and their children after them. Notice the generations, right? There's three generations at least there. And I think that your your children after them are the generations to come. This is multi-generational. May fear the Lord your God as long as you live. By keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you. And so that you may enjoy long life. There is blessing with obedience. Let's teach our kids that. Verse 3. Hear, O Israel, it's getting their attention. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, promised you. This is the essence of the old covenant. With obedience comes blessing. Now here's where Moses teaches something essential about God's identity. Verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The Jews called this the Shema, from the Hebrew word to hear, right? He's getting their attention. Listen up, listen up, Shema, hear. The Orthodox Jews recite this verse three times every day. This is just as fundamental as as what Kim Cohn read to us last week about the Lord being the I Am. The Lord, Yahweh, our God, the Lord is one. Impress that on your children. Are you impressing that on your children? The Lord is one. Now, yes, that means that all Christian parents are theologians. The question is not whether or not you will be the resident theologians. The question is if you will be a good theologian 
or a not-so-good one. Be a good one. Learn about your Lord and impress it on your children. For example, teach them that the Lord is one. What does it mean that the Lord is one? What does that mean to you? Well, it clearly means monotheism, at least, that there is one God. As my kids have memorized, yes, there is only one God. All the other gods out there are not God with a capital G. They're not the self-existent, transcendent creator above all things. There is only one of Him. Now, we learn in the rest of the Bible that while there is only one God, that one God is triune, mysteriously. Yahweh eternally exists in three persons. But there's only one God. And more than that, I think it means that He is consistent. Not only is He in a class by Himself, He alone is God, but He isn't one kind of God one day and another kind of God the next day. He's perfectly unified. The Lord is one. Impress that on your children. Parents, what do your kids know about God? What have they learned from you about who He is? What have you insisted and instilled in them? I have this thing with my boys. When we, are, when we went hunting together, I, I taught these two how to hunt without really knowing how to do it myself. I, I, I one time shot one deer, okay, and then I'm allowed to take these guys out. Well, I don't know anything about hunting. They knew more about hunting by the time we actually started hunting than I did, but I knew about safety. And I would ask them, is there a bullet in the chamber? Is your safety on? Where are you pointing that? Is there a bullet in the chamber? Is your safety on? Where are you pointing? That's a little catechism for hunting, right? Right now, I hope when they go hunting, they hear my voice. Is there a bullet in the chamber? Do you have your safety odd? Where are you pointing that? I want it. I want it like that. But there's no, that's nothing compared to this. Is there only one God? The Lord our God, the Lord is one. That's who He is. Number two, impress on your children what the Lord wants. Impress on your children not only who the Lord is, but what the Lord wants. And surprisingly, what He wants is you. Look at verse 5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. The Lord Jesus Christ said that this was the greatest commandment in the whole law. They thought they could trip him up and say, so which one's the best commandment? Thinking that maybe if he prioritized one or the other, he'd get in trouble with this group or that group. And Jesus said, I don't know, have you read Deuteronomy 6.5? There's only one God, so you should love him with all of you. All your heart, all your soul, all your strength. Your heart, which is much more than your emotions, it's really the worshiping core of you. It's the place where you think from, so it includes your mind and your desires and your reverence and your worship. And your soul, that's not just the immaterial part of you, that's like your whole being. 
and your strength, your might. That's all of your efforts, all of what you throw yourself into. The Lord wants you to love Him with all that you are. Impress that on your children. Your kids know that they are to love the Lord with everything in them. Tell them that again and again and again in all the ways you can think of that the Lord is worthy of their worship and calls them to love Him supremely above all things with all of their beings. Because it's easy to forget. The reason why we have to be broken records is that our minds are broken too. And we easily get tempted to forget that the Lord is worthy of our worship and start to drift off to worship other things. Skip down to verse 10. Moses says, When the Lord your God brings you into the land he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you, a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant, then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt out of the land of slavery. Don't forget. See, when things get easy, it's easy to forget. Often we lean on the Lord when things are hard. And maybe we teach our kids to do that too. Oh, things are tough. Let's pray. But how about when things are easy? When things are coming to you? Do you remember the Lord who gave you those things? Or do you start to drift off and even worship those things? We aren't tempted to worship Baal or Ashtoreth or Allah, but we are tempted to worship money, popularity, pleasure. Verse 13, fear the Lord your God and serve Him only and take your oaths in His name. The Lord is one. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the people around you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. For the Lord your God who is among you is a jealous God. And His anger will burn against you and He will destroy you from the face of the land. Do not test the Lord your God as you did at Massah. Be sure to keep the commands of the Lord your God and the stipulations and decrees He has given you. Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight so that it may go well with you and you may go in and take over the good land that the Lord promised on oath to your forefathers, thrusting out all your enemies before you, as the Lord said. Impress on your children what the Lord wants and what He wants is all of you. All of you. He's jealous for your love. And that's a good thing. We, sometimes we think about jealousy as a bad thing. Not in this case. It would be terrible if God didn't care if you worshipped Him or not. It would mean that He wasn't worthy of all of your worship if He did. But the Lord is one. Impress that on your children. Do you know who memorized this passage? probably as a child, and then used it powerfully when he grew up? Jesus. Do you remember when he fought with the devil in the wilderness? What sword did he pull out? Deuteronomy 6. These very passages. He knew what the Lord wanted. And maybe even more important than knowing what the Lord wants is knowing what the Lord has already done. That's point number three and last. Impress on your children what the Lord has done. 
impress on your children what the Lord has done. Verse 20. In the future, when your son asks you, what is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees, and laws the Lord our God has commanded you? Tell him, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt. But the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent miraculous signs and wonders, great and terrible, upon Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But he brought us out from there to bring us in and give us the land that he promised on oath to our forefathers. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God so that we might always prosper and be kept alive, as is the case today. And if we're careful to obey all this law before the Lord our God, as he has commanded us, that will be our righteousness. Notice that a good parent doesn't just talk. They also listen. Kids are curious. They have questions. That's a good thing. If your kid has stopped asking theological questions, that's a warning sign. All of that talking when you're at home and when you're out on the road and at bedtime and at breakfast time, that's not all you talking, parents. In fact, there comes a time where it's mostly you listening. But it's all of the family talking. And sometimes kids ask the hard questions, questions you don't know the, the, the answer for. That's why Heather's here to answer them for us. That's why I'm here for you, and why Heather's here for you, and why our elders are here for you, and our, and our Sunday school teachers and children's church teachers, and the church library back there, library full of resources. But this question should be easy. When they say, why do we do all this stuff, Dad? Did you get that one? Why do we have to go to church? Why do we pray all the time? Why do we open our Bibles as a family? Why do you make us memorize catechism questions? Why do we sing the same worship songs over and over and over again? The answer is, because of what the Lord has done. For the Israelites, it was the Red Sea rescue. For us, it is the cross of Jesus Christ. And it's all of grace. We say, son, daughter, we don't do all these things to impress God. We don't do all these things to justify ourselves. We don't do it to earn his favor. We don't do it to rack up God points. We love him because he first loved us. That's where our righteousness comes from. Remember those large flourishing cities? We didn't build those. Remember that house filled with those good things? We didn't provide those. Remember those gardens with all those good things to eat? We didn't plant them. We don't deserve them. We didn't earn them. They are gifts of God's faithful grace. So parents, let's make sure that we are motivated by grace and teaching grace to our kids from start to finish. Often family discipleship goes wrong when we somehow convey that we do these things because we are so great or somehow to get God's attention or to earn his approval. No, we do all of this out of and because of the grace of God. And we know the grace of God because of the cross of Jesus Christ. Let's bring our kids back to the cross, back to his sacrifice, back to his gift, back to the gospel over and over again. Don't forget it. And don't let them forget it either. 
Our Lord has given Christian parents the great privilege of being the primary discipling influence in their children's lives to be a broken record of grace. Impress God's grace on your children.